What's up gamers and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer, and you have just entered my captain's quarters, my weekly gaming update show where I talk about my favorite gaming news topic of the past week, discuss what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming related decree. This week, survival horror PS5 exclusive Abandoned was announced. So let's talk about it and dive right into the episode with my news catch of the week. Gamers as stated Abandoned was announced this past week and it is a brand new IP, a horror IP coming to PS5 exclusively later this year. And I am excited for so many reasons in that one statement. One, it's an exclusive PS5 console game. And I love console exclusives. Something about them, Xbox, PlayStation, doesn't matter. I don't know what it is. Old school gamer in me, maybe. But I love it. On top of that, it is also a horror genre title. And I, if you listen to the show, you know I absolutely love anything in the horror genre. Then we add on top of that... The fact that it's a brand new IP. I love new IP, new ideas, new stories. I cannot wait to jump into anything that is brand new, uncharted territory. And this looks really, really cool so far. Now, the trailer that we did get this past week with the announcement, it was a very brief, just over a minute long trailer. And there was no gameplay. It was strictly just to be an announcement teaser trailer as Blue Box, the developer, has coined it as, and all we really see in this trailer is from a first-person perspective, since the game is played from a first-person perspective, it's as if you are the character walking through the woods, and none of the trees have leaves, it's probably late fall, maybe early winter, and you're just kind of very slowly walking through, and there's a monologue going on over the top of, you know, this walk through the woods, and essentially it's saying that there is this crazy person who's leading a cult in these woods, and they are after you, and you have got to survive and find your way out of the woods. That is the basic premise of this game, and by the end of the trailer, all we really see is a brief glimpse of the shadow of the person that you're playing as, they flash a gun on the screen, other than that, we don't see anything else uh, except for a Q4 2021 release date after the title is revealed. And I am already stoked enough just from that. Now, Blue Box did guarantee and promise that we would get a full gameplay reveal trailer coming soon. So I cannot wait for that. But they may not have given us any visual details, but they did give us a lot of verbal details, so I'm going to go over those with you guys right now. So Abandoned, it's going to be set in this very highly detailed open world environment that is in this forest, and Blue Box is going to be favoring a realistic approach to survival in this game. Now, the story is kind of what I've already set up for you, but to give a little bit more detail there, you play as protagonist Jason Longfield, and you end up waking up just in the middle of this forest. You have no idea how you got there. And eventually you find out that he's been brought here for a very dark purpose, stemming from this cult. And your goal ultimately is to survive long enough to escape the woods. Now, the focus on realism is extremely high in this game, according to what Blue Box says they're shooting for. If Jason becomes out of breath from sprinting or if he's afraid, those kinds of things will be affecting the accuracy of your shooting. And the shooting will also, in and of itself, be realistic in the sense that 
it's going to be slow and purposeful, just like it would be in real life. And you're going to be need to be tactful as the player in order to survive. You can't just basically go in guns blazing and hope to take out everybody. And now nah, it's not that kind of game. Now, Blue Box does stress that this is not meant to be that kind of a game. They want you to be nervous. They want us as the player to be nervous with every enemy encounter, which honestly, that gets me really excited because again, horror, I love that tension. That's a huge piece of it right there. If every single time I hear a snap or a crack of somebody stepping on a twig in the woods and I'm looking over my shoulder, literally sitting here playing on, the, on my couch at my house, that's what I'm looking for. So the fact that they are saying that every encounter, they want you to be nervous, that has me really excited. You need to think before you pull the trigger, plan out how you're going to approach the area, where the enemies are, and what the encounter is going to ultimately leave you with as far as the amount of bullets or uh, potentially you may not survive. So emphasizing realism through immersion is also another big factor that Blue Box has stated that they are focusing on. And one way they're going to do this is with my favorite controller, the Dual Sense. And a few examples they gave by what they mean by utilizing the Dual Sense. Say Jason is struck by a bullet. You're going to feel that in the controller. When you pull the trigger on a loaded or an unloaded gun, those are going to feel different as it should. Now, 3D audio is the other piece of immersion that Blue Box is very big on and emphasizing that it's really trying to ramp up that immersion level. And what they mean is it's going to help you discern the direction of bullets that are being fired at you and ultimately really want to use that audio and the environmental audio to help guide you through that wilderness as you explore and try to figure out how to get out of this forest. Now, the game is taking advantage of the PS5's power uh, per blue box, allowing it to run at a smooth 60 frames per second in native 4K. So it's going to be looking beautiful. It's going to be running smoothly, and it sounds like it's going to be pretty terrifying. And I cannot wait. Blue Box, as I stated earlier, has promised a gameplay reveal trailer soon with a planned release date of quarter four of 2021 exclusively on PS5. I cannot wait. So that'll do it for my catch of the week. Now let's go open up my captain's log and see what games I've been playing. Gamers, it's that time again to update you on my epic quest through Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Now, I did not get to play as much of this game as I maybe had wanted to in this past week, but there is a very valid reason or reasons for that that I will get to in just a little bit here in the captain's log as we progress. But I will say, there was a new region that was my area of focus this week in Valhalla, and that region is London. Now, it is the smallest region in the game, at least that I've seen so far. And it cracks me up because I kind of expected to get through this pretty quickly, not rush through it, but at the same time, it's extremely small comparatively to all these other regions that I've been to and that I've seen on the map in, in England. And I get there and bottom line is, let me just say that I really enjoy London. I have loved what I've seen so far and explored, but I will say it was not at all visually what I was expecting. And, you know, I don't know, granted, I was not expecting the London from Assassin's Creed Syndicate, you know, late 1800s London, obviously. But at the same time, it was very much a London that was not what I had in my mind. So I'll just leave it at that in case you were like me and I don't want to spoil any kind of surprises or anything like that for you. 
uh, if you had a certain London in mind. But the bottom line is, I have thoroughly enjoyed my time exploring it. At the very beginning of my exploration of the region, I was super stoked because I stumbled across another Hidden Ones Bureau. Now, if you haven't heard me talk about these before, or if you don't know what they are, if you haven't played the game, these are old abandoned sites that the Hidden Ones, which eventually become the Brotherhood of Assassins, that they have actually worked out of years and years ago. And there was a mass exodus of the Brotherhood in the country of England many, many years ago. And so as you're exploring these different regions in England, you'll come across a few of the bureaus that are spread throughout. And they're really, really cool. They pay a lot of homage to certain things in Assassin's Creed lore. And they're just a lot of fun to explore, in my opinion. I just think they look great. I love any kind of temple or underground area that you get to pull your torch out and pull the old Indiana Jones kind of feeling and explore these old ruins. Uh, codex entries that they have are always really insightful and have some pretty interesting stories about what specifically purged that bureau in that area of England. So I absolutely loved my exploration of this Hidden Ones Bureau. There was also a quest that I had received from none other than Maximilian, a character who is actually at your settlement of Ravensthorpe, that you can actually build a different kind of an old Roman-style temple area for him to set up his shop or his museum, as he calls it, of Roman collectibles and artifacts that as you find these artifacts throughout the game world, you can bring back to him and get different things for you uh, as you bring back certain quantities back to him that he's asking for. Now, he gives you a quest when you first build this museum for him at Ravensthorpe, and he essentially asks you to retrieve a stolen statue from him in London. And I wasn't going to just beeline the quest. I was going to wait until I naturally came across London and took care of the quest at that point in time. Well, here we are. Here I am. Let's go ahead and do this. So the bottom line is it was a really cool quest because there are multiple ways that you can complete this quest. Uh, myself, as well as the Graveyard Gamer from Graveyard Gaming Podcast right here on Anchor. Great show. Check them out. Him and I talk all the time about what we're doing in this game. And we completed this quest absolutely differently than one another. I loved it though, because the way that my outcome came about, it involved paying a little girl to distract the man that stole the statue initially so I could sneak into his house, steal the statue. Let's just say it was a lot of fun and there was a call sign of Kaka that was part of the quest. And it just, it was, it was great. Uh, that's all I'll say. So definitely check out that quest when you get to London. I highly, highly recommend it. I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. I will tell you, there was a few world events that you come across in London as well that were really, really fun. My favorite though, there was actually a quest. You're going around the docks on the eastern side of London and you come across this group of people that happen to be discussing a treasure that was rumored to be at the bottom of the harbor that they're standing on the docks of. And there was a, a ship that had wrecked and they were just basically saying that they are terrible swimmers. They wouldn't be able to you know, fight the current, hold their breath, whatever the case may be. They were unable to get down there and get it. So Eivor walks up and says, hey, I'm a good swimmer. I can go down there and try to retrieve it for you. Oh, okay, cool. So as Eivor, I jump into the harbor, swim down. Sure enough, a couple chests at a shipwreck, bring it back up. Oh, but this isn't the necklace that we really wanted. That's the really valuable piece that you need. Oh, man, is there... So bottom line is you find out that apparently the guy whose treasure this belonged to fed the necklace to a fish. So then if you have your fishing line, 
you pull that out, you go fishing right there in the harbor. And I got to tell you, I've done some fishing before this point in the game, and I've never really struggled with it or gotten close to the line snapping due to too much tension. Well, this guy, this sucker, he gave me some trouble, and my line almost snapped. Bottom line is, I fought back and forth, never snapped a line, hooked him, brought him in, and sure enough, the necklace was in the guts of the fish. So, pretty cool mission. I just really liked that, that the quest, the way it played out. I thought it was pretty cool. Things like that, I just love coming across in this game. These world events are so, so cool. Outside of that, I did switch out and upgrade uh, my weapons. I now have what I am calling, in homage to Halo, the Needler. It is a bow, and it is called the Needle, but I'm calling it the Needler just because I'm like that, and I'm going to pay homage to Halo in that way. But it is now my new Predator bow, because that is my preferred style of bow, is the Predator bow. I like the first-person perspective on it. I also now have switched out my secondary weapon to a hammer and upgraded it, and I've had a lot of fun kind of getting a little flow of a combo going here by holding in LB on the Xbox, and Eivor will lunge at the enemy and slam down with the hammer, knocking them on the ground. I can get a couple whacks in, and then the prompt to click the right analog stick and curb stomp the person essentially pops up. You combine those actions all together. It looks really cool, feels really cool when you're doing it. And it takes out enemies in a quick way. So that's kind of my new favorite combo right now as far as combat's concerned. And ultimately, in the coming week, I do look forward to finishing up London and moving on to Oxenfordshire, which would be my next progression region. I will say the main story, I did also start in this region of London. And it's actually really, really cool so far. Really cool mystery involving three characters known as the Compass, the Leech, and the Arrow. And that's all I'll say about that. So, outside of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and the reason why I did not play as much as I had wanted to, it was because of a couple games that just so happened to be released on PlayStation Plus last week. One of those was Oddworld Soulstorm. Brand new game, just came out in the series of Oddworld. And I followed this series all the way back since the PlayStation 1 era. I played Abe's Odyssey, Abe's Exodus... I never completed those games, but I did jump on Munch's Odyssey on the original Xbox at launch. Loved it. Stranger's Wrath throughout the Xbox life cycle. Loved it. Played a couple here or there over the years, the 2D perspective ones that you know they kind of went back to. Uh, New and Tasty was the most recent one, I think. But the bottom line is Soulstorm looked like it was going you know, big again. And even though it was still that 2D, 3D perspective... I was definitely willing to check it out. So I did. Uh, you know, it's free. I have plus. Why not try it out, right? So I did play through the first stage. And I got to say, I do think the game has great level design. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it's very, very tight platforming gameplay, which is always a good thing. Uh, it was a great use, I thought, of the dual sense when you're picking through, you know, garbage bins and trying to get items. And just the way the slight, subtle rumble and the haptic feedback, it just it, it works really, really well with this game. I will say, I did feel that by the end of that first stage, it kind of started to get repetitive to me because there is a, I won't say a puzzle mechanic per se, but the main gameplay mechanic throughout the course of that first stage is it revolves around using water bottles and throwing them at fires that are blocking your way in order to put out the fires so that you don't get damaged and killed. And I get it, you know, at first, okay, cool, I get it. But when you go through an entire stage and you're doing that just about at every turn, it did kind of wear out its welcome for me. 
And I did start the second stage, but I got to be honest with you, I did, I did not see what I was missing that I could not progress. So I kind of, instead of spending too much time and getting frustrated with it, I decided to pause and move on to the other game that had come out on PlayStation Plus, which I'll get to that after this next game I'll discuss with you because I want to save that other game to kind of close out Captain's Log with. Now, the next game I did try out was Disco Elysium. I had heard a lot of hype around this game going into the release of it. Uh, IGN had actually given it a perfect 10 out of 10, and I'm just like, man, this is... I mean, it looks pretty cool, but is it really that good? So I wanted to try it out. So it's only on PS5. I did purchase it, and I played about an hour of it that same day, right after Oddworld. And... I got to tell you, it's extremely unique, first off, from a visual standpoint. It looks like it's a, some kind of a painting, is the graphical style, is what I would say that it looks like. Both the character models and the environment that you're walking through. I would say the environments look more polygonal than paint, whereas the character models look more paint than polygonal. But either way, it was a very unique looking game visually. Uh, the character build I thought was pretty interesting that you, uh, at, at the beginning, you have the option of using preset character builds or you can create a custom one. And just the different options, I'm not going to go through all of them here, but they were unique and just kind of different than your normal RPG. Because this is a an isometric top-down perspective RPG, if you're wondering. And, you know, this game is all about dialogue. Let me just put that out there. If you do not like dialogue or dialogue boxes man, you are not going to like this game because it is just constant dialogue, talking to people, talking to yourself, the voice in your head. I'm not even lying here. So it's, again, a pretty interesting story. You wake up in your apartment drunk and hungover, and uh, you pretty much have to get your clothes on and get yourself together and go investigate a murder. And it's pretty interesting just getting out of the apartment complex. I'll just put it to you that way. I, it took me an hour to get out of the apartment complex. And that's not me doing a hulking Yoda thing of just exploring every little nook and cranny. This is just the amount of dialogue and, and different things that you're doing to get there. So it was an interesting game. I would say that it's not going to be one that I will replace at the front or top of my playlist. Uh, but it was definitely interesting. And if I had nothing else to play, I could see myself getting more into it. But for right now, at least I was happy that I was able to try it out and see what it was all about. So... Outside of Disco Elysium, the final game that I have that I played this past week, it's actually going to be my highlights of the week. Gamers, as I stated in the captain's log, there was one more game that released this past week on PlayStation Plus, and it is, in fact, my highlight of the week. My playtime with it, that is, to be specific. And that is the game Zombie Army 4 Dead War. Now, I got to be honest with you guys. I had never even really heard of this game or paid any attention to this game. I just kind of, it's another one of those games. And unfortunately, I kind of wrote off. Uh, I need to stop doing this whole judging a book by its cover thing and actually look more into these games that I keep rediscovering. Like, oh, wow, this is not at all what I thought, i.e. Outriders. Now, Zombie Army 4. So let me just say that... It's very interesting to me. This game is developed by the same team that did Sniper Elite. I've never played those games, but I've always heard good things. Again, Graveyard Gamer. He's a big fan of that series, really wanting to get into it. It really attracted his attention. So to find that they are the same developers of this game, it's very interesting to me because 
after having played Zombie Army 4, it's obviously night and day different from what I assume Sniper Elite would be. And the bottom line is, this game is number four because there was only one other release before this. It was Zombie Army Trilogy, which was three games in one pack, and it released a few years ago. Now, Zombie Army 4, it just released last year, February of 2020, and it's fairly new. But the bottom line is, the brief story synopsis here, it's an alternate history where at the end of World War II, to try to win World War II, there were, you know, the different rumors of occultism and different things going on in the Nazi party. Well, bottom line is they ended up getting to a point where they raised the dead. All of the dead German soldiers from the war, they raised from the dead. And now you have all these zombies, this zombie army. And it's up to the other powers that be to try to destroy this new army. Uh, and it just kind of prolongs that World War II uh, just on and on and on at this point. So I don't know a lot about what had happened in Zombie Army Trilogy, but at least at the beginning of Zombie Army 4, you are tasked with choosing a character and jumping in and helping to finish this fight, basically. Uh, I thought that the character options were great. They had actually pretty cool backstories. Uh, I ended up going with Jun. Uh, I think she was uh, a really cool option. I've loved playing her, having her as my character here. And you know, the bottom line is, this game visually, let me just come out and say, looks beautiful. It's, it's really extremely detailed environments. The character models look great. The zombies are extremely detailed. The opening main menu when you first load up and the zombie that's on that menu screen just looks excellent. The clarity and the detail. And with that being said, let me just put it out there to you. If you did not know, this game did get a free PS5 and Series X performance update when it launched last week. And the developers did this uh, intentionally to time it with the release of the Game On Plus. And if you're also an Xbox gamer with Game Pass, it also dropped on Game Pass last week. So Xbox gamer, PlayStation gamer, it doesn't matter. You have no excuse at this point to not try this game out because it is really, really cool. It's third person. It's a third-person shooter, and it controls excellently. Let me just say that. Dual analog control. And it's just pure fun, guys. Let me just say that. It's just it's something about going through these different environments and just hordes of zombies. The thing that makes it so fun, though, because, okay, you may be listening and say, well, I've done that a million times before. Yeah, I have too. But this game, the way it's set up, the maps are set up into different chapters, multiple chapters in each stage or each location type. And the first type, we'll say, we'll call it location type. It was all revolving around a train station. Well, the second area that I'm in now, it's all revolving around the canals of Venice. And the thing is, is they take different horror genre tropes from movies and other games and everything, and they just pay homage to it. It's so cool. You'll be going through these areas and there'll be really creepy dolls that all of a sudden start moving and talking to you and it's just absolutely insane uh, there's typewriters that you can walk up to and interact with and they will type on their own and it's as if they're speaking to you and they will quote famous lines from horror movies like they're here from exorcist and we're going to need a bigger boat from jaws things of that nature it's just it's really really cool if you love the horror genre as i do and it's just been a lot of fun for me to find these different little Easter eggs as I explore in the game world. 
Now, the gunplay is absolutely excellent because not just the control of the character, but gunplay, it's awesome. You have any kind of weapon that you could think of, pistol, shotgun, sniper rifle. They have mods, they have attachments, they have upgrades that you can earn. There is so much here. There is so much content here, guys. I can't tell you all about it in this highlight of the week section. But the bottom line is, there is so much to appreciate about this game. There's an amazing photo mode. I, oh, I just, I, I can't stop talking about it. All I can say is definitely try it out. If you have not tried it out yet or played it before, if you have Plus, if you have Game Pass, if you like zombies, if you like the horror movies that I referenced and other horror movies that I didn't reference, if you are a fan of shooters even, it's just a lot of fun. And this game isn't just single player. You can play it single player, but it's definitely also set up to be up to four player co-op. There's all kinds of different challenges and the trophy list is fun. I mean, I'm telling you, it's just, it goes on and on and on. And there is so much content here for the price free that it's insane not to try it out at least. So I think it will be a lot of fun with friends. Uh, eventually, hopefully, I'll talk Mr. Uh, Graveyard Gamer into picking this up. And maybe him and I can take out some zombies as we go through the canals of Venice or whatnot. But the bottom line is, it is an excellent, excellent time. And I absolutely loved it this past week, which is why it was my highlight of the week. Now it is that time of the month again to check in on my trophy progress and gamer score quest and see if I was successful this month in completing and meeting my goals I set for myself. So let's start with the trophy progress. To give a quick recap, if this is the first time you're listening to an episode with my trophy progress or gamer score quest goals, every month I am setting forth a goal for myself in each category. For trophies, it's a specific trophy level I'd like to reach over the course of the next month. Gamer score quest, it's the certain amount of gamer score I would like to increase by as well in the next month. Now, first up in this segment, it's trophy progress. So last month, I ended up meeting my goal, and that was a goal of trophy level 182. So having met that goal, I gave myself a new one. I said, all right, by the next captain's quarters a month out, I want to reach a trophy level of 185. So did I do it? Gamers, I did it. Thanks to Zombie Army 4, Oddworld Soulstorm, all the different PS5 that I played this past week. Man, it was enough to get me over that hump and barely cross over into 185. I was so stoked when I was playing through Zombie Army 4 and I was able to hit that last trophy that put me over the 185 edge. I was so excited that it was Zombie Army 4 too because I have just loved that game this past week. So for it to be the game that made me meet my goal, I was super stoked. So hit my goal. That's two months in a row now. Trophy progress goal has been met. Next month, the new goal I've set for myself is to hit a trophy level of 188. Now, I also have a yearly goal in addition to my monthly goals. And my, as a reminder, my yearly trophy level goal is to reach trophy level 200. So not even a full third into the year of 2021, and I'm already at 185. Can I do it? I don't know, but first I'm going to have to get the trophy level 188 by next month. The Captain's Quarters episode that should be releasing right in the middle of the month, every month, you can expect to see the update on my trophy level progress. Now let's go check and see if I was successful with my gamer score quest. <laughs>
Gamers, to do a quick recap on my gamer score quest, as of the episode last month, I had a gamer score of 285,600, and I did not meet the goal that I had set for myself the previous month, which was to reach a gamer score of 288,000. So because of that, I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to quit. I'm still going to go and try to get this thing. So I maintained my goal of 288,000 gamer score by this episode. So was I able to do it this time? Gamers, I was not. I, I hate to say it because it's two months in a row now. I ended with a gamer score of 285,765. So I was still roughly 2,300 gamer score off of my goal. Now, I will say that I am going to maintain that goal again of 288,000 by mid-May, the next follow-up on this gamer score quest. And the reason why is because, again, I'm not a quitter. I'm not, I am going to hit this goal. I will make sure it happens. This past month, it was a little rough to get there because I played a ton of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And for those of you that know that game, it is a very, very involved game, very long game. So even though I'm dropping 50 hours over a month in it, the achievements, they're spread throughout the course of the overall game, meaning they're few and far between. I think I might have gotten 100 gamer score from Valhalla in that 50-hour playtime. So between that, my playtime on the PS5, it is what it is, but I will not back down from that goal of 288,000. I am determined to reach that goal. So on top of that, I also have that yearly goal for my gamer score. And to remind you, it is 20,000 gamer score for the year of 2021. So by the end of the year, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, I want to be able to look back and say, hey, look, I unlocked 20,000 gamer score last year. Now, I also, on top of that, though, would love to, at the very least, crack 300,000 gamer score overall. So since I am less than 20,000 needed to hit that goal, I'd at least like to hit that number. But if I can get 20,000 overall in the year, that's that specific goal that I'm really shooting for. So we'll see what happens when we check back in a month. Will I finally hit this gamer score quest goal that I've made for myself? We shall see. Now let's go check out some buried treasure gaming tips that I have for you in Zombie Army 4. Gamers, I just have three main tips for you that I would like to share for Zombie Army 4 Dead War. The first of which is... I, if you're looking for those real precise headshots to just take out those slow lumbering zombies that are coming at you and go for a specific trophy that is a certain amount of headshots in a row without interruption, my recommendation would absolutely be use the pistol. It is absolutely precise for those close range headshots. And if you get just enough space right there between you and those zombies and they're slow enough, you can actually rip off that trophy pretty quickly and pretty easily with the pistol. My second tip for you would be to not overlook and neglect the environmental kill opportunities throughout the different maps. And what do I mean by that? Well, there are different items, we'll say, or locations spread throughout the different maps in the game that have little targets above them that you can shoot and activate these environmental kills. Uh, one that is in Venice is actually pretty cool. If you There's a giant shark that's been caught and is thrown up on the side of the sidewalk. If you shoot the target to activate the environmental kill it'll sweep around and eat all the zombies that are near it or you if you're not careful there's also a airplane blade that if you shoot its target 
The airplane blades will turn on and suck in the zombies nearby and rip them to shreds. Those are just two examples. Bottom line is, I got to tell you, my favorite is a speaker. <laughs> Once you shoot the target and activate it, the speaker turns on and the voice is saying, Hello, zombie. Would you like to come over? Come. It's, let's be friends. Oh, it's not going to be a trap. Things of that nature. Crack me up because they all come over and there's a certain little timer that kind of winds down. And it gives you a little bit of time to get a nice chunk of zombies all crowded around this area. And then, boom, it explodes. And I actually got a trophy for kill 20 plus zombies with one explosion. So again, these are actually really fun and really cool when you come across them in the environment. So don't overlook them. And I also will say my third and final tip for you. Don't forget about the takedown option. When you actually build up enough kills and... You can watch your meter down there on the bottom center of the screen. Don't forget about that takedown opportunity because it's not just about doing the takedown itself, which looks pretty cool, and it is good for a quick instant kill. It's also, for me at least, it's about healing. I don't always have a med kit or don't always have access to a med kit, right? So if you're in a bind and you're getting beat up pretty bad, but you have that takedown meter filled up and you can use a takedown, use it. Because when you use a takedown, it gives health back to you. So don't waste it. Use it for those right opportune times, and it'll keep you alive in a pinch. So that is my Buried Treasure Gaming Tips that I have for you this week. Now let's go see what my Captain's Decree is. Gamers, this past week, we also got the news that there is a very credible rumor. It's a good possibility that there is a Last of Us, the original Last of Us that released on PS3, that there's a remake in the works. So my decree for this week is not every classic game from the past needs to be remade. So the announcement that The Last of Us was potentially having a complete remake in progress was a little concerning for me because I'll just say I personally do not believe that this game needs a full-on remake. What exactly would be the point? We already had a remaster released on the PS4, and that's actually when I first played through the game, was on that remaster on PS4. The game was amazing. It was a, a, a masterpiece. What is outside of visually, what would be the purpose of remaking this game from the ground up? Why tie up resources from a developer and a company to create a remake of a game that we've already played as perfection years ago. So here's my thing. One thing that really upset me and made it more personal for me in this situation, I'm a huge, huge Days Gone fan. One of my favorite games of all time. It is right up there. I'm not even lying or exaggerating here. It's in my top five. It is absolutely an amazing experience. One of my favorite ever when you're reading in these articles, and if you've followed gaming news online, I'm sure you've also seen that there is a rumor put out there, kind of a confirmation in a way, that some of the developers from the Days Gone development team, they had said that there was a Days Gone 2 pitch that was turned down by Sony. There was also uh, you know, possibility that they were working on a Last of Us remake or an Uncharted remake. Now, my question is, why are we going to be focusing on these remakes when they could have been doing a Days Gone 2 on a PS5? That would be an amazing experience. Something new. 
And it just bothered me because I don't understand how we're going to tie up these extremely talented developers who obviously know how to tell a great story with what they did with Days Gone on their own by having them retell the same story that people have already experienced and loved. I just, to me, it didn't make sense at all. It doesn't make sense. And I really hope that it's not actually in development because I don't want a Last of Us remake, to be honest with you. I felt the game was perfect the way it was. I think that it needs to stay where it is and look forward to the future. And I feel that way with a few games. You know, sometimes they do remakes right. And what I mean is, say, Demon Souls. I think that's an amazing remake. Now, granted, I didn't play it on PS3. Maybe I'd feel differently if I had. But I think it's great in the sense that, okay, sometimes you take a great game and you remake it for a new generation to have it available to people who maybe didn't experience it two generations ago. I get it. But I personally feel like PS3 is still a little close in time to where I don't think it's necessary to remake those games. If there was a game on that generation where maybe you had hardware limitations and you couldn't see that experience to its full potential because of those hardware limitations, maybe you could talk me into it. Uh, Resident Evil 2 and 3 are other examples, in my opinion, of games that were remade that made sense. I say this because I could get behind PS2, Xbox era, and back. Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3, they originally released on the PS1. So to have those experiences, as amazing as Resident Evil 2 at least was back then, to have it fully realized in today's technology, that is a huge leap. One that makes sense, one that I also think would be uh, actually advantageous to the game in, in the remake. But to have something like The Last of Us that still looked beautiful graphically on the PS3 and even remastered on the PS4, I just I, I don't see outside of visuals what you're really going to change about The Last of Us. Resident Evil 2 and 3, you at least had the opportunity to update the gameplay. You took away tank controls, you added the over-the-shoulder combat style. Everything that has been implemented in more future modern Resident Evils, you perfected that in Resident Evil 2 and 3 with these remakes. That makes sense to me. But to take something that was already playing very well and to have its sequel just released last year and it also using the same similar style of gameplay and play very well, it just doesn't make sense to me to release a remake or to spend the resources on a remake. I get it. There is, oh, you know, maybe they're making a, a remake because they want to coincide it with the release of the new HBO show. Okay, cool. I could see that from a business standpoint. But at the same time, I don't think it's necessary. So my thing is, developers, put the resources into new experiences. Not every classic game from the past has to automatically default to, we got to remake it. It's been two generations. Let's remake this. I don't think that's necessary. And I think that we as gamers, at least I'm speaking for myself here, I feel like we would be more excited if you announced brand new experiences, even if it was The Last of Us Part 3, as opposed to the remake of the original, as opposed to remaking the original. So developers, think about that, please. Not every classic game from the past needs to be remade. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. 
You can join its crew by searching for Hulking Yoda on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network. Reach out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com, as well as find me on social media on Instagram at lostatseagaming and on Twitter at lostatseagamin, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.